Welcome to the Wanna Learn Show. I'm your host, Franz Tapon. In this episode, I have Nate Truskovitz, who is back once again to talk about Ukraine and the war that's going on there. We're going to talk a little bit briefly about Israel as well. And we're just going to get an update on some of his predictions, which ones went right, which ones went wrong, and what his predictions are for 2024. And I hope you enjoy this podcast, as always. Uh, if you want to support me, go to patreon.com slash ftapon and sign up to get some cool rewards for as little as $2 a month and also get my updates from my book, which will be fun as well. And if you have feedback on this episode, make sure you can send me an email at ft at francistapon.com or you go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon and you can send me an anonymous voice message. Thanks so much and enjoy the show. Well, I hope the, the connection is not going to be too choppy because somehow Slovenia used to be an advanced country. I guess you guys are losing it. Yeah, we are dropping <laughs> in the rankings. <laughs> Here we are in November 2023, mm -hmm. the war in Ukraine right now. You had originally been pretty bullish and you were right. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of people predicted the quick and fast demise of Ukraine with regard to Russia in, in days or weeks. Uh, you were contrarian and you are right uh, they were able to not just resist but also to push them back quite a distance but now we find ourselves in about uh, a stalemate it seems like for for yeah. most observers and I, I imagine you agree and so mm -hmm. and you had been predicting that a little bit more optimistic take that yeah. that I think by now you would expect more progress so what's your reflections yeah. as of now uh, you're correct. So I predicted that by the end of this uh, autumn, at the start of winter, uh, Ukraine will already retake um, the lost uh, um, areas. Uh, so the southern front, uh, they would uh, go to Mariupol and uh, they would be able, I said that they would be able to isolate uh, Crimea. I said that they would take the northeastern part already. So I was too bullish in my predictions. Um, uh, there are three, uh, three reasons for them not for ukrainians not succeeding in that you were actually right you said yeah but you know uh, the west might just um trickle just enough stuff uh, to ukrainians to not for them not being able to win the war and and for them just to hold on and and push on slowly so as to not uh, um enrage or uh, put into much and so that the the nuclear war wouldn't start and so this was like a conspiracy theory you mentioned if, uh, if i remember correctly and uh, i think i i said that yeah that that was uh, historically a case when the us would not provide enough material for the outright win for the uh for the allied uh, armies um and it happened again i i mean i was quite uh, disappointed when i realized that the amount of help, uh, supplies and everything that is coming from the West is not enough uh, on the scale that would be needed for the Ukrainians to push through. Um, it was uh, way, uh, way less than it was needed. That was the first thing. So looks like the West uh, plays this game of providing just enough so that Ukraine doesn't uh, lose, but not provide uh, too much uh, so that uh, Russia outright loses. Because uh, Russia outright losing um, makes for a very makes for a very very dangerous case of uh, potential nuclear confrontation. So I think uh, this is a game that 
uh, <clears throat> shouldn't be played by the West. This is my personal opinion, because uh, all the red lines that were crossed until this point um, from uh, by Ukrainians and by the West uh, haven't uh, really proven to be red lines at all. So the, the only uh, ace in the sleeve that Russia has is the nuclear uh, potential that they have. Uh, but I think my I think it is possible for the for the Russians to press the button, but um, you know uh, the stalemate that is going on is uh, on the long run not good for for the democracy in the West and for all the current uh, global system uh, that is uh, that is established at the moment. So things are changing now. Uh, so if uh, Ukraine doesn't prevail, doesn't take all the land. Uh, it means that uh, will uh, give a huge incentive for all the other authoritarian regimes out there, mainly Xi Jinping, with uh, his um, his eyes uh, firmly set on Taiwan. So, so for example, if Taiwan is not uh, properly st stocked up with uh, deterrent uh, weapons and systems, then uh, he might do uh, that, and so the world will be even more engulfed in uh, the conflict than it is now with uh, the war in uh, Israel and Gaza that we'll uh, talk about later. So yeah, uh, this was one thing, not enough weapons. Then the other thing was, uh, it turned out that the defenses that Russia uh, put uh, uh, in the south were actually much better designed than originally thought. Uh, it, they were uh, done by the general Surovikin. This is a Russian general which, uh, uh, after the revolt, uh, went out of the scene. He was basically deposed because I think he was expected of collaborating with uh, the Wagner Group. Um, so he, he he's the one of the smartest generals they have, one of the better ones. Um, still, you know, uh, with the mentality of uh, hammer uh, and you know hard knock hammer situation for the Russian army, so not a very delicate, subtle uh, general at all, but a very smart one, and he managed to basically um, delay the the Ukrainian offensive. So it was mostly not enough. Um, uh, weapons, proper weapons for the Ukrainians, and then second uh, second thing was um, the, this defense system that Surovikin uh, set up uh, was very very nicely done, uh, which managed to um, to basically stop Ukrainians uh, quite on many places. And also the terrain is basically similar to the terrain that uh, Allies uh, faced in Normandy. We have a lot of um, fields with hedgerows, with um, areas where you can set up a very good defense, uh, defense as Russians are um, clearly uh, doing. Um, and yeah, so things didn't pan up the way they should have. And the third thing was Russia actually, besides making this uh, great defensive system, uh, created an offensive in the east, which um, uh, made Ukrainians. Uh, the Ukrainians had to put all their uh, experienced troops um, uh, on that areas, so not on the south. So the ones, the troops that Ukrainian troops that attacked in the south were actually unexperienced troop, uh, troops, but they were being uh, trained by the West. 
but being trained by the West uh, on its own doesn't mean that you can be immediately successful. Uh, they lacked proper equipment. Um, they they uh, they faced a really good uh, defensive system. They they faced um, also natural burials in the shape of hedgerows, uh, similar to the ones like they were in uh, Normandy's landings, and uh, all these things uh, stacked up. But still, um, you would have a lot of in the public eye a lot of negative uh, opinions about yeah i mean the 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 expectations were really high um maybe too high also on my on my on my part uh, and so the disappointment in this case is, is and was bigger um but still ukrainians are managing to the great russian army a lot i mean crazily a lot uh, at this point, Russians are resorting to just human wave attacks without properly being supported by um, tanks and uh, planes and so on. So um, <clears throat> they have to resort to head-on attacks, which are by now clear in Odika area, for example, where they've spent thousands of personnel, um, poorly trained uh, guys, just going straight on against the Ukrainian defensive systems, um, and it was um, quite terrible to watch. And of course, you know, terrible to watch what, what imagine being there on the Ukrainian side or on the Russian side, uh, having to face those defensive systems and uh, just having to go straight on without uh, uh, as much um, artillery support as before, because Russian artillery support really dwindled now. Their uh, AMA stocks are um, now on par with what Ukrainians have. Um, for a short amount of time, I think the Russians managed to stabilize this uh, by getting, uh, by procuring ammo from the North Korea. Uh, <laughs> surprisingly, North Korea um, was able to send them a lot of uh, ammo, which stabilized this uh, this part for the Russians. But but still, they are roughly on par with what Ukrainians have, and I think at the, at the start of the war. Uh, Russians had about eight times more um, uh, in the ammo count and in the artillery count than what Ukrainians had. So this is how this is why Ukrainians specialized in just you know trying to really hit the targets precisely, uh, while Russians uh, opted to just for the straight-on uh, huge area bombardment and seeing uh, you know trying to hit something with just a huge barrage um, which didn't pan out so well for the Russians but yeah it's still I mean uh, all the all the western um, uh, guys who enlist in the Korean army who fight there so experienced guys who had veterans also uh, would say that it's uh, Russian artillery is still a scary thing and number one killer in Ukraine still what do you think is your predictions for 2024 uh, now it's getting uh, a bit uh, tougher to predict things uh, with certainty. Um, so the stalemate could continue, uh, but on the other side, um, Ukrainians are managing really to deplete Russian army a lot. So Russian army has a lot of available personnel that they can mobilize uh, doing their, It's called, I think it's called crypto mobilization when it's not... Um, when it's not officially recognized, the mobilization is going on, but actually it is going on. So um, you guys uh, left and right would get uh, notifications about having to enlist. Um, 
still the major populations in some uh, in uh, the two major cities in Moscow uh, and the other major city are not getting uh, these uh, enlistments on a large scale because those are still the popul- uh, the areas which uh, Putin is afraid to uh, to put pressure on from a militaristic point of view so he's basically um doing this he's enlisting uh, minorities throughout the Russia which are proving to be a pain in the neck anyway for him so he's basically just doing genocide across his own country he's uh, clearing the younger population of all these ethnicities uh, that are spread around the poorer um, russian regions and all those guys i mean he for them enlisting in russian army is quite lucrative because um, uh, they get a lot of money also for getting killed family gets rich for their uh, economical situation. So if you get killed, uh, your family gets uh, quite a better footing in the society. Uh, but also the wage is great. Uh, so yeah, they enlist. Uh, they are, of course, most of them, they, they don't realize how serious the situation is in, in Ukraine. And most of them die in one month's time after they enlist. So, yeah, it's terrible um, for Russian guys, a terrible situation. So ethnical cleaning, uh, internal ethnical cleaning is being uh, done by Putin. Um, and when, he's, when he runs out of uh, those guys, he will have to then um, press uh, the population pool that is more dangerous for him. Uh, so the more conscious population pool, not the poor, just the poor guys who are, you know, uh, have nothing to lose if they, besides their life, if they enlist. So yeah, um, it that's going to be uh, hard to see pan out. But I think uh, Ukraine is going to degrade uh, Russia even more. For example, their fleet has been decimated. They had to relocate their fleet uh, to a more safer uh, port um, in the Russian land, so not in the Crimean um, uh, port. Um, Still, Ukrainians are much more advanced technologically in the sense that all their society is working towards the, this goal of being able to win. While on the Russian side, there's this huge apathy. And um, although the, the, the whole economy is now on the war footing, it's a war economy going on, they are still not able to produce what they need, especially not the more, uh, like I predicted, the more technologically advanced stuff, because that was always uh, something that they relied on uh, 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 importing from the West. Uh, What is happening now is, of course, China is ramping up uh, its um, uh, underground uh, connection with Russia, and of course, Iran is stepping up, and now the the borders are clearly ramping up with also the war in uh, Gaza with uh, Israel. So you have um, Russia-Iran axis uh, with uh, China being more subtly connected there. Um, and of course, North Korea supplying Russia with their ammunition in, change, in exchange for more um, highly advanced uh, technological uh, stuff that they are lacking themselves. Um, and we'll see how it goes. So if Iran manages to ramp up uh, the whole Gaza war, uh, so by it, it already managed to include the Yemeni rebels, uh, so the Houthis, and if the war spills in Lebanon, if it uh, if 
Syria is also more actively included in the war. And if all their proxies that they have uh, enter the war, and if China decides to uh, actually uh, step up more actively, then all hell is going to break loose. Um, so yeah, we, we are on the dangerous uh, position at the moment. Uh, hopefully th- that doesn't happen. But um, definitely, I mean, the, the allies, the US can get oversaturated with events uh, throughout the globe. And so they will not be able to uh, provide as much assistance as they did before to Ukraine. Um, yeah, so we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But uh, I think the I think that Ukraine still has the upper hand in this story, and that uh, Russia is going to have have a huge problem. And if you remember, I also predicted that um, uh, Putin is going to be deposed. And it almost happened <laughs> with uh, the rebels. Uh, so the paramilitary rebels, the the, the mercenaries uh, rebelled with Prigozhin in charge. But that was just top of the iceberg. Basically, part of the military uh, was just silent and was basically observing what will happen. And so if uh, Prigozhin with his uh, military group would be successful, if uh, enough general mil- military generals on the Russian side would go on his side, then uh, they would also step on his side, and then that that would be the end for the uh, Putin. But he was uh, unsuccessful. Looks like not enough. Um, he didn't have enough sway, and so he had to step down. And ultimately, he, he was assassinated by Putin, um, uh, aptly by being shot down from from the air. Um, yeah, so my prediction about Putin being deposed almost came true, but it didn't happen in the end. And I was wrong about um, uh, Ukrainians being able to, with the uh, Western help, being able to take all the land in the northeast and in the south. Uh, so yeah, that I was spectacularly wrong in that. Um, and but I still think that I'm right about uh, Ukraine uh, winning this uh, conflict, and the stalemate uh, might go uh, might bo- go uh, further. Of course, uh, we are talking about the whole year of '24 now. Um, we'll see if uh, who wins uh, with elections in in uh, in the US. Um, if uh, the side which does not support Ukraine wins, then Ukraine is going to have much bigger problems uh, than it is facing now. Definitely. Um, yeah, so it's a bit foggy now at the moment. Do you think Putin will stay in power uh, throughout 2024? Uh, he he basically uh, made his position stronger now that he won this re- rebellion. Uh, he, he, he managed to stay, uh, he had to have an upper hand in this. So always when this happens, um, things kind of entrench for those guys. So he, he has a lesser uh, possibility of being deposed now. But still, if Ukraine manages to take uh, these lands, and especially if, he ma- if Ukraine manages to snatch off Crimea, then uh, Putin's days are numbered. Yeah. But when this happens now, it's not so clear. Because um, I put too much stock in uh, the the early uh, summer offensive, which didn't pay uh, as much dividends as I hoped it would. Yeah. So now now it's turned into a positional war, similar to what uh, First World War was. So now it's uh, a war of attrition, 
uh, and the site which uh, manages to uh, to kill off more soldiers uh, and take uh, away more uh, economical means uh, from the enemy is the winner. Uh, so if West uh, stops uh, providing support for Ukraine, then slowly, slowly Russia will get an upper hand. Although it's lacking all the all the uh, equipment it needs to do so, but um, I mean all the all the mass waves of um, guys uh, who are marching towards the Ukrainian positions cannot treat uh, a lot uh, Ukrainian army because yeah, the, the Russia has a huge uh, personnel pool. Uh, still available for them. Uh, they have crappy equipment. Uh, their equipment is now being like uh, Russian army has equipment from the 50s also now. Uh, they are lacking um, uh, uh, transportation. Um, they are lacking tanks. Uh, they are now uh, low on ammo stock. Um, their artillery, uh, their guns is being are being depleted because if you are constantly shooting and not pro- properly providing for them, they get depleted too. Um, and of course, uh, Ukraine is going is doing a terrible, uh, terribly great job at uh, sniping off um, uh, Russian equipment, and you know, so it's they're being degraded. And they, at the moment, they don't have any uh, smart generals or any smart um, headquarters leading them. Um, the ones who were smart are actually the post now. Those were, uh, I think, collaborating with uh, Prigozhin at the time of rebellion and they were all the post like uh, the guy Surovikin guy was basically i think uh on on spot with uh he was collaborating with prigozhin at the time and so he why he's smart uh in quotes is because he made a really good defense line in the south and he was able to uh lead the russian army quite well but then because of the internal bickering, he was deposed, he was reassigned, and then I think he had this resentment toward uh, towards the uh, the leading um, uh, Russian, uh, well, the headquarters of the Russian army, and so he tried to basically play this game of not outright supporting Prigozhin, but it I think it was later discovered that he was with Prigozhin. Uh, at least partly supporting him, so uh, he was just now sil- silently removed. Israel and the whole war in the West Bank uh, and Gaza, well, it's actually mainly Gaza, yeah. how is that going to affect the Ukraine war? Some people say it's going to be good news because the Republicans who normally support Israel and are not yeah. that enthusiastic about supporting uh, Ukraine, they're mm-hmm. going to be able to do these package deals, like, in other words, of joint military package and somehow linking the two and people want to unlink them. But some people, some analysts say, well, I think most people say it's bad news for Ukraine, but some people say, no, 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 it's actually good news because they know it's going to combine the Republicans and Democrats. I don't have a clear cut idea on this. Um, for, at the moment, the way this conflict is um, limited, I don't think it, it hurts Ukraine too much. Um but if it spreads, if the whole Middle East goes up in fire, then, of course, that is detrimental for Ukraine a lot. So at the moment, I think the two conflicts are really connected uh, because Russia is clearly uh, on the side of Hamas. Uh, it's it's propping up uh, all the cracks that it can in the West and uh, Hamas uh, doing harm and being just one of the cloth, uh, active conflicts uh, is basically 
playing uh, towards the Russian goals. Um, still, I don't think the Hamas-Gaza-Israeli uh, war um, plays a big role here uh, because uh, Russia, uh, you know, US is stocked so much on these old uh, 30 years plus uh, weapons uh, and weapon systems they can easily, you know, uh, send to to Israel, to Ukraine, uh, and easily um, repleting them with new stuff. So the the danger here is uh, on the political side. So um, politicians should say, yeah, but look how many mil- billions of dollars we are spending supporting Ukraine and Israel. Uh, while uh, in truth, it's not that because that money was already spent for the production of that um, of that uh, equipment. What the uh, U.S. is doing now is just sending that equipment away and basically reactivating its own military engine to produce new stuff, more modern stuff, which invigorates the economy and so on. Um, also, there's a lot of land lease going on, uh, which is also positive for U.S. So, uh, But this is very easily spinned uh, in the negative way for the uh, internal U.S. public. So, yeah, if it turns against it, then, yeah, problems are going to happen for for um, Ukraine. Yeah. But so uh, what's my take on this uh, war? Um, I mean, it's it's really, it's of course not so clear cut as the war in uh, Ukraine. Um, but then again, I mean, uh, I think the, the Israelis still have the moral high ground here. The problem is, of course, uh, the crazy amount of uh, civilians which get killed in Gaza. Uh, but uh, I, uh, so far, nobody had made any um, smart suggestion of how Israelis should do this, of deposing Hamas with, uh, without you know, causing so much casualties on the civilian side. I mean, it's terrible. And also the numbers, uh, are we to believe the numbers that Hamas puts out? No, of course. But again, it's clear that um, uh, many civilians are suffering and dying there. And this is, again, very easily spinned against the West, against the US and against Israel. And of course, Ru- uh, Russia is uh, is uh, really liking these kind of scenarios because then they can even, uh, they can, widen the cracks in the western world even more and that ends this episode of the wander learn podcast where we explore travel technology and transformation if you'd like to see the show notes with links to what we've talked about go to wanderlearn.com and click on this episode if you'd like to connect with me just remember f tapon that's my first initial and my last name f tapon is always my social media username my website is ftapon.com. do you want to leave me an anonymous voicemail where you can make a comment or ask a question. Then go to speakpipe.com slash ftapon. Furthermore, if you'd like to get rewarded for supporting my projects, then go to patreon.com slash ftapon. That's where you can pick up some remarkable rewards for as little as $2 a month. Now, five quick favors. Number one, subscribe to the Wander Learn podcast. Two, download it. Three, share it. Four, review it. And five, sign up for my newsletter at wanderlearn.com. Our theme music was composed by Eric Stratman. This is Francis Tapon encouraging you to wander and learn.